Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. I'm John Cook, and I'm joined today by George Goncalves, MUFG's head of U.S. macro strategy. It's Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. Welcome back to the podcast, George. Great to be on, John. Good to have you. Um, so, George, Treasuries have been largely in a holding pattern since the last time you were on the podcast. Uh, that being said, risk continues to trade well. Stocks trading, you know, near, you know, are trading two new year-to-date heights, and credit, I think, is year-to-date tights and perhaps, perhaps, you know, longer than that. Um, why don't you give us a read on the latest price action? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, July kind of continued on on how the first half ended which is still within kind of upward momentum and risk assets um uh, but even having said that there is you know some um hesitation to you know breaking really to really new higher levels on the S&P uh this 4600 levels really proving to be more difficult but you know but nonetheless uh you know just a general more um upbeat tone uh from market participants uh you know earnings have been coming in uh, you know, you know as always, expectations for earnings are always managed down before earnings season, and so it's looking like uh, some numbers are looking better than uh, than people were worse uh, or, or were expecting to happen. Um, it's not as as bad as it could have been, uh, but there is some sectors of the uh, earnings spectrum that are showing um, still some concerns about the second half. But you know, people are climbing the wall of worry, as they say, and uh, and credit really just um, continues to kind of be a. a a world onto its own where there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of credit money sloshing around that, you know, it's got to get put to work and supply has been a little bit on the lighter side. And we're getting to that point in the summer where, you know, it's uh, that midpoint into the, uh, that kind of August early uh, kind of uh, people going on vacation mode. So, and, and just less issuance. So I think like, like the technicals look favorable. I'm not sure it's really a reflection of fundamentals per se, but there's still, again, all that liquidity and money in these uh, specific mandates. And then rates, you know, we're, you know, in, in a in an interesting spot, um, you know, having seen a pretty big bounce in early July to high rates after the ADP report, and then really the inability to maintain those high levels of rates and really just stuck under uh, a cap on rates, even though uh, what's going to you know, be the most televised hiking, or maybe the last hike, we'll see. But this televised hike of, of the Fed coming up um, is not really budged rates higher. So even though the Fed's going to hike, it's largely a token gesture when you go out beyond the T-bill market. So I, I think you know we're really, at the end of the day, really waiting for the Fed and a lot of the other central bank action that uh, still lies ahead for the week. And then I think uh, you know August is going to be uh, unclear if we get the typical seasonal pattern or if we get an anti-seasonals. And that really is going to come down to any of the event risks that we mentioned in the last podcast. And that's a perfect segue to the next question. Um, as a reminder for our listeners, we are recording this episode on Tuesday, July 25th, one day before the FOMC's before the FOMC announces the decision from its July policy meeting. George, you just put out, put out your FOMC preview. Why don't you tell our listeners what you're expecting from the Fed tomorrow? So, you know, we do think that just as the market's priced in, they're going to deliver on the 25 basis point uh, hike. Um so I think that's a you know a foregone conclusion. Yeah, the real uh, challenge is going to be for Chair Powell to not come across as dovish. I think that that's really uh, the the aim for tomorrow. There's no uh, forecast updates. That's usually that's on the quarterly meetings. So we're just going to get to hear uh, 
Chair Powell after the press press uh, remarks and the opening remarks and and how he answers Q and A. I think it's going to really what sets the stage for for the markets at least for uh, you know twelve to twenty four hours into the the next major events like the ECB and the BOJ. But um, I, I think um, I think you know, Chair Powell can thread the more hawkish needle. If you recall that uh, in uh, in Sintra, Portugal, he was sounding as well as other uh, pr- uh, recent um, events before the blackout. Chair Powell was sounding on the more hawkish side, suggesting more hikes or even back to back hikes. So um, I, I think he has the ability to uh, still thread the hawkish needle and downplay the one uh, weaker than uh, than expected inflation reading that we had from CPI and that their job's not done. So if, if he kind of fights the grain on that and you know the markets seem to be set up for kind of a dovish neutral outcome, if he can lean more on the hawkish side, I think it's going to matter. So it comes down to press conference more so than the statement and the actual hike itself. Okay, so it sounds like a hike is a foregone conclusion statement. You know, maybe you know not not likely to change too much. So it's all up to Powell to see how he plays the press conference. And yeah, and I believe you said you you think the market's set up a little bit dovishly. So it sounds like there might be a a chance that he could thread that hawk proverbial hawkish needle. Um, and and man, you've got a tough job. Not only do you have to forecast what the Fed does, um, but you also have to forecast how the market would react, which is not. You know, which which, as many of us know, is it tends to be you know can be counterintuitive. Um, but but why don't we try for benefit of our listeners? Uh, so the question is, what sort of reaction should we expect from the market given you, the scenario that you've li- that you've laid out? Um, and and also, and you mentioned this a little bit in the previous in the previous answer, but what about that ECB meeting on Thursday and the Bank of Japan meeting on Friday? How could those events impact our markets? Yeah, so I think just. Thinking about the setup, we, we do have, again, risk assets going in um, closer to their local highs, uh, credit very tight. So everyone's on a hope for a, uh, this is the end. And, and we don't think that Chair Powell will explicitly come out and say that they're done tightening, even though inflation has turned the corner. Uh, so I think you know him pushing back and, and trying to avoid sounding dovish and suggesting that there's more work to, to do and that they're going to you know, stay higher for longer and that res, you know remaining restrictive is what they're aiming for anything that he can throw at the on the on the hawkish side to try to make sure that financial conditions don't ease because that could you know either help reflare up uh inflation later on uh and just kind of keep uh you know things in check uh, i think you know mention of oil prices and that you know it's not clear that they're you know going to go back down in fact they they've actually been rising and that the path for inflation remains uncertain. If he can kind of you know lean that way, I think that uh, it is generally bearish for overall assets. Um, what's not clear though is the curve. Uh, you know, we do have the bellies of the curves much more richer than the wings. So like the you know, the five to ten year part of the curve have been trading significantly under Fed policy, whereas the two years closer, even though. Even that's a stretch. So I do think it would be an overall bearish environment for rates. But you know, for now, we've been acting as if, or in, well, in, in markets been trading, whenever the Fed hikes, it's more of a bear flattener. The risk is that we get this kind of anti-move that we're used to, which it becomes more of a bear steepener and the realization that the Fed's on hold for longer and at much higher rates than what's priced in for you know the three, five, seven, ten year part of the curve. And that does some heavy lifting tomorrow. I think that would be the pain trade is a bear steepener. 
uh, and that that could kick off with with uh, Powell leaning on the hawkish side, and and that's not assuming they don't say anything on the balance sheet, which always can come down the road. So I think they want to push up, you know, intermediate rates. Uh, I think that it's been one of the reasons why, you know, housing and other more interest rate sensitive sectors have done better is because rates really haven't climbed higher. It's just the front end has followed the Fed, not the rest of the curve. So any sort of kind of way that he can kind of uh, manage to get that outcome, I think it's uh, really going to hurt um, that the, the part of the curve and could be dollar positive too along the way. And then that brings us up to the ECB and the BOJ, which you know, if the ECB hints that they're going to go to a Fed type format, which is like hiking every other meeting, which again, that's not what the Fed has uh, uh, laid out. But you know, if they start to get into that pattern, that's what markets would assume. So if the ECB were to kind of hint that you know September is not a done deal and that they might you know, take a pause as well. I think that would always uh, you know, that would move the dollar as well and also be bearish for the bellies of the curve. Um, and then um, I think the big one is the Bank of Japan. You know, at this point, I mean, uh, most people have now kind of moved towards that there's not going to be a change. But with these sort of um, uh, large shifts in policy, like uh, removing YCC would be, you kind of have to have a surprise element. So if there was a surprise from the POJ, that also would really hurt the, you know, the belly and intermediate part of, of global rates and, and drag up US rates with it. So th that's the setup. I mean, I think that that's the risk is the bear steepener with like a one, two, three punch from the various central banks. And then uh, we have a lot of supply to deal with also. And then we have the, uh, the upcoming uh, treasury refunding announcement, which could also kind of add to that. So I'm 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 thinking about the anti-seasonal August might be a, a title coming soon to one of our publications. But you know, all joking aside, I mean, usually the markets have been doing the opposite of what we've been thinking. So might as well, you know, think outside the box this time. All right. So you heard it here. Uh stay tuned for the upcoming publication, the anti-seasonal August. Um but yeah, no, great, great stuff, George. So it sounds like uh, there's a lot of reasons for the Fed to, to try and push back that this is the last hike and be and be hawkish. So be on the watch out, be on the watch for a, for a potential uh, bear steepener uh, pain trade in in, in rates there. And uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, again, our official call is for that the BOJ does not change policy uh, at this meeting, but certainly certainly a, a very large risk that could be meaningful for uh, for our markets. Um, so uh, to our listeners, for more, definitely check out George's recently released July FOMC preview entitled One More and Done. Uh, and if you are not receiving his stuff, please get in contact with George directly. Uh, uh, that was super helpful, George. Very comprehensive. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, John. And thank you for listening to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and reach out to your MUFG sales representative for any further information. Check back soon for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.